Eastside Radio 89.7 FM. I'm about to talk to writer and designer Sophie Lenigan. She's the founder of a project called Scent, and it's described as a project of 100 ideas about space. And she'll tell us a bit more about it. Sophie, do we have you online? Yeah, hi. Hi, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. How are you? I'm good. Tell me more about this project called Scent. You describe it as a project of 100 ideas about space, but what more could you tell us about it? How did it start? What inspired you to initiate it? Well, um, so the project, as you said, is called Scent, and um, it began last year in September 2019. And I came back from having studied the history of architecture in London with a real sort of like desire and hunger to know more about what was going on here in Sydney, which is my hometown. So I wanted to open to start a platform which engaged as many people in the community as possible and hear their perceptions of the space they live in. Um, whether it be like physical, so the sort of city streets or the rural places they are, or whether it be like more of a digital space, an emotional space, anything like that. I think um, I'd come from a place where I was always talking to other architects or designers and I just thought, you know, the axiom is that space is for everyone and um, I just wanted to hear more about what people had to say, I guess. So that's why I started the project, yeah. And these people that contribute to the project, who are they and how do you come across these contributors? Do you have a call out and what kind of contributions are you hoping to receive? For the first 40 postcards, so I probably, sorry, should have clarified that um, Scent is a project of 100 ideas about space. So from my perspective, from my end it's sort of a job of curating these 100 different ideas and bring them all together into the same format and to put them on the same platform but as far as contributors go for the first 40 I really lent on the generosity of my friends and family and people I knew um, that were around me and then from then forward I've been having a call out every 10 postcards and um, the first call out for the 40s wasn't themed but from 50 through to 100 each one will have a different theme Um, which is really exciting because I am very open to receiving a contribution from pretty much anyone actually but I also seek out people who I'm really interested to hear what they say Mm. Um, yeah so I mean I've had writers, comedians, um, I'm going to have a doctor upcoming, quite a few artists and designers, some poets, dancers, all sorts of people that engage with space in a sort of like nuanced way mm. or something where space impacts how they how they are. I was intrigued because on the page that describes the project, you mentioned that you're looking even for contributions from lawyers. Yeah. So that really intrigued me. What what do you imagine how do lawyers connect or interact with space and what kind of relationship do they have with it? Yeah. So I think um the call out like for the postcards numbered eighty 
will be for political or economic spaces. So that'll be targeting, well, not targeting, but, you know, calling to lawyers and economists specifically, because I think as well as the more poetic and design side of space, there is also a great deal of space, which is based purely on the functions of the real estate market or based on monetary policy and whether or not we have access to that. And I think a lot of the time lawyers play a role in mediating or controlling our ability to use space. Like if you think more specifically about public space, more like public common areas in the city, there's infrastructures put there and, um, you know, put into law by lawyers that enable people, that make it um, impossible for people to sleep there, for instance. They are um, mm. adverse spaces or their lawyers might be involved with maybe the um, design of a detention centre or something like this. So I think that they play a big role in mm. that aspect of space. It's interesting also to think about how will you reach this demographic because the way that I came across the project was through Instagram as somebody who works in the arts. It's an obvious platform to be on. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen your call out for the body in space. Mm -hmm. You're looking at how bodies interact and affect spaces. Do you think that lawyers and economists are as readily on Instagram? Will they find out about your project or will you have to look for another way to reach out to them? Yeah, I think that um, I will definitely post it to Instagram. But as well as that, I will um, probably use LinkedIn or something where I assume more corporate and economic people dwell to engage with that. But when I say... Um, Lawyers, I also think I'm aiming for like um, politicians or people that are involved with city planning. So I'll also reach out to local councils and local government members who might have something to do with planning laws or planning controls and that sort of thing. Mm. So I think that, yeah, while Instagram is probably not the first place um, to assume, I will definitely try and, you know, angle it in and make more targeted um you know, call out. Mm. And there is a specific format for this project. It only requires 250 words. Mm -hmm. And you already spoke about postcard format. And it mm -hmm. also comes with a one visual that describes the writing in some way. So tell me, why did you choose this specific format? Why only this number of words? Why the visual? And how do you layer it out in the end? So the reason I initially wanted to work with the medium of a postcard is because it's for a few reasons. First of all, I think that, you know, everyone's so busy all the time these days and asking them to write down their impression or relationship to or experience of space is actually a big ask. And by limiting the scope of what I ask for, I just hope that it makes people feel like more comfortable and like it's something more achievable and that they're more likely to do. So 250 words is kind of the maximum word limit. And I just want one kind of kernel of an idea. And you know, when you're on holiday and you write a postcard home, you don't really recount 
all of the things you've been doing. You normally just comment on the delicious ice cream you've had that day or maybe a fantastic walk that you've been on. And it's always just sort of focuses down on one idea. So I just wanted to sort of limit it in that way. Um, secondly, I think that the format kind of works for Instagram where you can um, slide to see the back or the front of the postcard. And um, like, as I'm just doing this on my own, it was sort of like a really appropriate um, medium in that way. And then I also think that um, next year I'll have an exhibition of all 100. And I think there's something really beautiful about having all these ideas sort of formatted in a way that almost makes things not comparable, but a real set of it being like a series or a set or something like this. Mm. And uh, the way you distribute the ideas is only through Instagram or does it come through emails as well? And how often do you publish each idea? Yeah, absolutely. So um, initially last year, I was printing out the postcards and dropping them around to local cafes and that sort of thing as um, things that patrons could just take. But then obviously when coronavirus happened, that all stopped because there was no sort of like cafes open, as you know, and theatres were shut and cinemas were closed and everything. So then I just turned to, to being a purely online medium. So the main way it's distributed currently is through Instagram and the handle is at sent folder, but also um, you can subscribe through email. And I'm also working on a like sent specific website at the moment, which will be online early next year, which I'm really looking forward to. I think it's going to be really beautiful. Mm. Um, yeah. So it's become actually a purely digital project, which is really interesting mm. in terms of working with that. But you know, as I said, hopefully next year I'll have an exhibition of all 100 and then there'll be like a really exciting physical connection and a realisation of the full 100 up on the wall and hopefully it'll be quite striking. Oh, that, yeah. Kind of like a big reveal. Yeah, I look forward to that. And yeah, you started talking about this transition to digital and I do want to talk to you a bit more about the digital space in specific, but let's have a little break with just a bit of music and then we'll come back. You're on Eastside Radio 89.7 FM. This is Found Sounds Lost Horizons. And Trevor Brown is kindly hosting me here. And we still have Sophie Lenigan online. We've been talking to Sophie about her project called Scent, a project of 100 ideas about space. And she just before this last tune gave us a bit more information about what it is. And to find out more, you can go to Instagram to Scent Folder. I wanted to continue by talking a bit more about digital and online spaces because um, my interest is actually in physical spaces. I come from a dance background, so I'm very interested in how bodies navigate a space, the physical space. But I do realize that we, when we speak about online spaces, that we speak about them as spaces. So we say online space. And I also noticed that you refer to digital as landscape. So tell me a bit about how is digital a landscape and what do you have in mind when you refer to it that way? I have thought a lot about the digital space basically because we spend so much time 
online and so much of the language we use to talk about our experiences online comes from the same vocabulary that we use to talk about space. Like we're online or like you log in. There's a lot of like ways of accessing this space or it sort of like seems like a portal or it's obviously poised in that way. And I think that because the our experience of the digital is always so contained to the screen that we're experiencing it on, it can be overlooked as a, as a space in its own right. And I think that um, occasionally you can consider digital spaces as having similar infrastructures to the real space that we inhabit every day. So, you know, there are laws and... Um, Frame, policy frameworks that surround the digital space and there are which depend on which country you're in so that's sort of like a parallel and then there's also ways of shopping online so it's a place of economics and commerce and it's a marketplace at the same time and I think that in terms of our ability to explore the internet and connect with each other through the internet a, a landscape almost forms around that because, you know, the space of the internet, I think, is often depicted as a kind of grid cast over a space. And I think that in many ways that is interesting to think about because you can think about what are the parameters of the space I'm experiencing online mm. and who is setting those parameters and what might their motivations be. For instance, in America, they have this law, Section 230, which means that all of the um, sort of social media platforms like Facebook and Instagram and, you know, Twitter and all of this, they, those companies individually aren't liable for the content on their sites, which means that they kind of are existing in this weird legal loophole and I think if we try and think about that and spatialize that idea, we can come to understand not only how we exist online and what are the laws there, but also we can reapply that spatialization to our experience of the real world. And perhaps we can see loopholes that are occurring here which are politically motivated that we can identify. So it's sort of like a reading into the digital space and then using that understanding to read back out. Mm. Um, so I think with all of the sort of world events that have gone on this year, which have just been phenomenal, like not only have we had the bushfires, but the protests in Hong Kong, the Black Lives Matter, the whole situation with the US presidential election, Brexit negotiations, huge amounts of things happening. And the way that people occupy space and have the right to do so but are shut out is, you know, interesting. And I think that because so many of those events are organised through the internet, it's interesting to think about, like, how those two events kind of can parallel each other, you know? Mm -hmm. One thing that I'm always interested in when it comes to space is how in physical spaces we are inclined to develop something that's called spatial awareness, which mm -hmm. is the way that we interact in the space with the others, we share and give space to the other. Yeah. And I'm curious, how would we translate this 
term of spatial awareness or sharing of the space in the digital realm? I think that that can come up in many different ways. I think that it's um, you know possible to share space in terms of the way that we communicate online and making space for people to share their ideas even when they are in conflict with your own and respecting that. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the concept of a filter bubble. Filter bubble? Mm-hmm. No. Uh, so a filter bubble is sort of like when you go online and you get targeted ads or whatever, you get sort of like filtered down. Your presence online gets filtered down so far, so much so that you begin to exist. Your digital presence exists within a sphere which sort of is your own version of the world. The things that you are presented with align with your ideas or the things that you see, like the things that are presented to you for sale align with your ideas. And it's like a, a filter bubble is a place where you're not really challenged. You're just marketed to a lot of the time or you're appeased with the ideas that you see. And so I think that this concept of a filter bubble, if we were to make space for people, our filter bubbles would kind of expand or like, you know, we could sort of like think of a way to break down these filter bubbles so that we were exposed to more ideas that were contrary to our own and find ways to mediate the discussion of that, which was, you know, non-confrontational or non-violent or whatever, you know, something like this. Mm -hmm. So I think that the concept of a filter bubble um, is sort of like really interesting and would be a way for making space for other people uh, online. Mm. And also you're working on, going back onto your projects, you're working on an installation which explores the concept of the digital landscape across seasons. Mm, and you're yes. looking at summer, autumn, winter and spring. So That's how right. are seasons featured in digital landscape? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I've always loved the environment and growing up at the, you know, go, going to the park and the beach and all of this sort of thing. And I think that um, the many facets, I kind of just wanted to have a go, basically, at representing the many facets of the internet and kind of bringing what I understood to be a digital landscape into the real world and trying to visualize that. And um, my plan for 2020 was to have four exhibitions, one in each season that would present these different digital landscapes. And obviously I only got through summer because then COVID hit. So in the summer digital landscape, I wanted to, you know, have, there was like a big sort of mirrored river sort of running through the center of the gallery space, which was at um, down under which used to be beneath Frieda's in Chippendale. So like a big mirrored sort of river running through the space where you could look in and see yourself. And so yourself, your, your identity is reflected in the internet in a sense. And then I had um, a lot of red roses um, as part of my summer installation, which were meant to represent the idea or the concept of the uncanny valley, which is the idea that there is always a sort of like slight, you know, problem with our attempt to create reality online. It's always just misses the mark, you know, like a tiny little bit. And the rose, the red rose often represents this uncanny valley. 
And then I'm just thinking now what else there was. Oh, there was lots of tiny little um, metallic pebbles, which I put up the walls and then they came down through the river sort of waterfall. They were kind of like bubbles, I guess. And the idea there was not only filter bubbles, but many different billions and billions of data points, little nodes that come in together and create like a stream of information. So I tried to come up with sort of some visual that would demonstrate my personal understanding of the digital landscape and represent it in a summary way. But for instance, the winter, I was going to look at the dark web and the dark side of the internet. So as you can imagine, that would have been a completely different scene. And I think, you know, had I done all four seasons, it would have been a way of representing each online. And, you know, actually one thing which is kind of interesting is that because obviously I had the opportunity to make these events digital, which I think in a sense would make a great deal of sense to have exhibition about the digital landscape on digital platform, which would also be COVID appropriate. But I think that there's something so interesting and concrete about trying to bring that and realize that in the real world that I actually just decided to pause the project until hopefully next year when we can have another go. Yes, I look forward to exhibitions in real spaces, mm, even too. if they're about Absolutely. digital worlds. Um, yeah, yeah, I can't I think, wait to get back to it. Yeah, um, from my perspective, I feel it's important to stay connected to those spaces and not just yeah. sit at home in front of our computers. Um, Absolutely. There is space for everything, but yeah, we shouldn't forget those spaces. No, and I think that just coming together and gathering in an exhibition space to talk about the ideas together is you know so important exactly and that was one of the big things um and concepts that i had in mind when i think about digital and online spaces is how do we create mm. a space of gathering there that would replicate the gathering that we can achieve in a real space and yeah, yeah there absolutely. is a bit of possibility of that the zoom has showed us there is a certain level there of is. intimacy and connection which is mm. in some ways even surprising to me but yeah some things cannot be replicated which is good and i hope they will yes. <laughs> not find a way to do that actually I, think, I hope so too yeah actually the next call out for scent the postcards that are numbered 60 will be focused on digital space so this um this conversation we're having is actually so perfect great yeah. So go to Instagram handle is sent folder and you will be first one to find out about this call out, which will come up yes. soon. And then yep. all you need to do is uh, email Sophie with your idea and uh, she will curate 10 projects out of submissions. Sophie, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us and congratulations no, so on your project. Thanks so much for having me.